the Big Questions, a monthly 10-part series created by International Music Summit, curated in partnership with She Said So and presented in association with Pioneer DJ, Beatport and the Association for Electronic Music. This series aims to highlight and examine the important value issues around in the electronic music industry and inspire our community with intelligent conversation and debate. This month, we focus on the environment and sustainability, an urgent topic, not just for our industry, but for the whole world. And in light of the UN's recent climate report, we are now in a code red for humanity warning. We need to understand what steps we must take to ensure our touring, performing, creation and enjoyment of the music we love is done with minimal impact to the world around us. Tackling this topic will be DJ, producer, promoter, record label head, Bye Bye Plastic founder and environmental activist Blondish in conversation with climate change expert Dr Gabrielle Walker who holds a PhD from Cambridge University and has been at the forefront of climate challenge research and strategy for decades. The conversation will then be followed by analysis from industry experts hosted by the Association for Electronic Music. Moderated by Kiki Lomo, it features representatives from Digital Festival, AFEM and Agrina Festival. We hope that the outcome of this discussion will be to gain an understanding of how we can adapt our behaviours moving forward and continue to build our industry on sustainable practices. <laughs> so I'm, uh, my name is Viv, uh, but many people call me Blondish. I'm an artist, uh, electronic music artist in, in the music industry, I guess. Music is my passion and, uh, you know, I always thought it was just a DJ, uh, but as I've been exploring music endlessly, been on this journey, I realized that uh, my music has much more purpose than uh, just playing in a, in a club um, at 5am and there's no discredit to that either, but uh, I see a, a big, much bigger purpose and it evolved into, you know, uh, seeing how we can better the music industry, have less of a footprint. Um, and that's where I, I realized that I can do something about the plastic uh, footprint, you know. Uh, so I started a foundation. I co-founded a foundation called Bye Bye Plastic with uh, Camille, who's the super, super nerd on this. Um, I'm more the visionary and uh, networking and making things happen. And, you know, I'm very involved also in, in crypto uh, and NFTs and just moving technology forward and seeing how we can uh, combine that with all our, you know, all our sustainability practices to help make change and push the movement forward before it's too late. This is really cool. And I, I'm, I immediately am dying to ask you loads of questions. But before I do, I, I should blind date, you know, say who I am and what I do. And um, and so I guess I, I'm kind of the nerd. I'm kind of the uber nerd bit, but I try to be a little bit visionary and try to t tell stories as well. So I'm sort of somewhere between those two. Um, and climate change is my thing. I've been working on climate change for a really long time. Um, and in, in various different ways as a scientist and media with politics and with business and always trying to figure out how to stick them together in a way that can make real change happen. And, and both kind of on an individual level, but almost 
also kind of getting the whole system to change, make it easier for everyone to be able to do the right thing. Um, and I think a lot of my work in that, because I, I, I've made radio and TV programs, written books, uh, magazine articles, I'm a storyteller. Um, and I, I tell stories in words, not music. But at first, just like you, I thought storytelling was kind of enough on, on, on its own. And it began to feel like it is, it's wonderful to do that. I feel alive when I'm storytelling, but I also feel like I have to use it for something more than just telling the story. Uh, not to not to lecture, not to teach, but to but to excite and and inspire and to engage and to listen and to find out stuff and to to, to move in different interesting places. And right now, it just feels like climate change is such a massive, defining, terrifying thing that it's it's poets and musicians and storytellers who are the humanity's secret weapon in actually how to fix it. So, you know, I'm trying to marry my, my scientist nerd side with my storytelling side to see what I can do to help fix all of this. There's magic in that, in that intersection, for sure. I hope so. And I'm, you know, desperately trying to find it in very difficult times. So, so tell me, you know, I think um, I just said not trying to lecture or to, to inform, but to, but to excite and to inspire. And, and, and you sort of said you felt like you wanted to go beyond the music to, to do something with it. And there was, there's, it always feels like there's a bit of a danger for it to become kind of uh, uh, do-goody and to lose the creativity and the, and the purpose. How do you handle marrying a purpose with music? Honestly, it, it happens very naturally. Uh, I mean, I just, I'm creating... I can give examples of my experience. You know what I mean? Like I didn't feel right playing in a party with plastic anymore. So yeah. we made lots of efforts, you know, on, you know, wherever I have leverage. Right now I have leverage in that promoters and uh, event producers would like to book me. Um, so I have leverage right there where we can ask, okay, let's make this a plastic free party. And it took us, it took me two years. Like I, you know, I, I, it was always about baby steps. You know, you can't just change from one thing to the next, just a little side story. You know, like in 2011, I started meditating and, you know, I became, I realized I, I went to India and had this whole journey, you know, uh, realizing my album and I started getting pretty spiritual, you know what I mean? But I didn't want to alienate my fans and community. So I, I tried to uh, relate to them, you know, taking baby steps. So bringing them along the journey with me. So I took that kind of practice and that, that knowledge into the plastic free practices. Um, so like, how do we take baby steps and evolve with the music industry? So we started um, just making the DJ booths plastic free because that's something that's quite simple to do. And it's the, people aren't gonna judge it or the producer, the promoters are not gonna be like, no, we can't do that. They're like, okay, we can. So that's kind of your step in the door. You know what I mean? So um that, that's kind of how I'm doing it is in baby steps I think I love that you said that because I actually I started meditating this year like in well in December last year and for years people have been telling me you should meditate and I say I'm too impatient to meditate and that's why they said that's why you should do it exactly. and I think what, what really intimidated me about meditating is I thought you had to go to some place in India and have loads of uh you know incense and, and and all the right dongs and you had to sit in a certain way and you had to be able to do it for days and then one of my friends said you can just do 10 minutes Sit on your chair, and when we can actually that, do oh, it right I now. Do I can really do that, and so I and, and then I have every day. It's actually and sometimes longer, and and it made it really possible. So I think I love what you just said because I think in my work in climate change, it's really it, it's 
I think there's a slight danger that there's, there's, if I say baby steps, I don't think that's transformative enough, but making it easy, making it feel possible. So it's not kind of, oh my God, the world is ending and there's nothing we can do. That kind of incredible doom laden narrative that makes you all feel, my God, it's all impossible. I might as well just cover my head or pretend it's not happening. When you can say, no, look over here, there's something really cool we can do and it will work, and this is how it works, and you can, this is how you can be part of it, then you can take, so make it easy, but you can actually point them in the direction of things that are actually massively transformative. Because I think what there's one danger now, you know, there's the famous supermarket that says every little helps. And I think, I think certainly with climate change, we've gone beyond that point. You know, the, the, the IPCC report that just came out, the, the, the big report that was saying in the, just a couple of weeks ago, said code red, code red for humanity. This is absolutely emergency. This is banging on the big red button. And that's actually, you know, that's where it can get really quite frightening. It is code red. But that's where we have to say, okay, we have to be really clever about this. Who are the people who can tell the story that can move everyone from it's impossible to look over here, this is how we do it. And, and I think so I have that's, a question for you. Yeah, go on. So we realize that now the baby steps don't work and we don't have time for the baby steps. But in my experience, I'm still dealing with a capitalistic uh, music industry. I'm dealing with the fact that everyone didn't, couldn't do events for a year and a half, and they're just trying to survive. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm dealing with all of that stuff. Um, you know, there was one club I'm playing at uh, in Miami space uh, for three years. I was, no, two years I was trying to get them to go plastic free. And finally, this September, I'm finally able to get them, I'm able to do a plastic free event with them, which is great. It's monumental. And that can be used as a, as a, as a, you know, a diving point or jump off point for, as an, an example for many other events. If they can do it, many other people can. But at this moment, that's still not enough, you know? And I guess my question to you is, I'm an artist. I have to travel to, to be an artist. Um, I can, you know, do I go with my ethos and I say, I'm not gonna travel anymore? Uh, I don't feel like that's gonna solve the situation. So how, can, how can I get around this whole thing, you know, as an artist? It's right to the heart of it. And when I said, so in a way, I'm not saying that small steps and baby steps and quick wins are, are a bad idea. They're a very good idea. And what they need to do is be pointing in the direction of something that can be really transformative. So you're right, it can take it can take ages to persuade one really iconic club to do this. But once one club's done it, it shows that it's possible. And then, you know, this is where the cool kids are. Why aren't you doing it? Can become part of your story? And you're such a respected storyteller that that's something that you can quickly get out there. And so it's like, you know, the, the, the baby step efforts. I think, I think a lot about the importance of having not a snapshot mindset, but a kind of transition mindset. It's Please like, explain that. Okay, yeah, I'll try. <laughs> the way that I think about it is we're trying to get to somewhere better. And, and you can say, oh, well, I wouldn't start, you know, that whole thing, you know, if you're trying to get there, I wouldn't start here. And, and that, that's no good. We are here. This is where we are. We, this is where we got to start. So um, if you can, if you're, you, first of all, if you just sort of say, you can say we have to change everything overnight, then it's either impossible and, and you give up or you kind of make sort of, you, you, you make crazy demands of people that they feel like they can't do. So then it shuts down. Like if I say all planes should be grounded, I mean, they did get grounded over COVID, but if I say nobody should travel, then that's going to feel impossibly hard. 
so it doesn't happen. And we don't actually need everyone to stop traveling today. What we need is a plan and gradually changing from one way of doing it to another way of doing it and making sure you're pointing in that direction with everything you do. So I got a call from an airline, uh, the, the, the chief operating officer of a big airline the other day, he said, look, I can get planes, uh, Airbus is starting making them, I can get planes that will be effectively zero emissions in 2035. And that's with amazing. With their fuel or what? With, with uh, hydrogen. With hydrogen. Wow, this is what I've been manifesting. Yeah, Amazing. Exactly. We all want that. So the reason that, that they're actually, Airbus is now making that is that we've convinced them, the world's convinced them there's going to be a market for it. So people like you saying, I got to travel, but I want it to be clean. All of us saying that, the ones who influence the narrative are the ones who are influencing the people making the planes. But that's 2035, it's not now. So what can we do now to balance what needs to happen while pushing for the planes that we get in 2035 is one of the questions. And I'm actually, I'm very interested in a whole new field, a whole new set of technologies. What, what, you, what you basically need to do, what anyone needs to do in this space, either as an individual or as a collective is figure out how to get emissions down as low as possible, as quickly as possible, and then figure out what to do with what's left behind. And then have a plan, have a plan so that getting the emissions down as low as possible gets a bigger part and dealing with the rest gets a smaller part over the next 10 years. That's right. What so we bridge the gap. Right. So how how can I actually do that? Because I have offset all of my carbons. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm messaging the the group that I offset to. I'm asking for content of like them actually building these electric stoves in Africa, but they're not sending it to me because yeah. I... I, so, I, need, I need I need I need that. Issue. So, so if you think about offsets, what offsets are uh, traditionally like avoidance offsets, what it is is I put I put a ton of CO2 into the air, right? Um, you put a ton of CO2 into the air. Damn, now we've got two tons. That's bad. Right. So traditional offsets will say, well, I put a ton and you were going to put a ton, but I pay you not to. Right. So you were going to put a ton and I pay you not to, but there's still a ton in the air. So what, what I'm looking at and what I'm, I'm currently working on is how you actually take CO2 back out of the air and bury it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So in this case, what you do is you put a ton, you pay someone to take out a ton and you're at zero, really genuinely zero. So I think changing to the cookstoves and all of that is going to be important for reducing the emissions in the first place. But to take away what you put in, it needs this new thing, carbon removals, take CO2 out of the sky. And there's some, there's some actually really cool ways to do it. Have you heard about sky diamonds? This no, is very, I haven't. Please teach me. Brilliantly. Teach bling. us. Yeah, so, so what you can actually do is there's a company that's now trying to do it, which is uh, you, you, there are various ways you can catch the CO2. It's gone into the sky, you can take it back out again. You can blow fans through chemicals that catch it, right? And then what do you do with it? And one of the things you can do with it is you can squeeze it until it turns into diamonds. So you can actually wear a sky diamond that has removed CO2 from... <laughs> These are real, it's an actual diamond it's, or it's, it's a CO2 it's a diamond. diamond? It's a diamond, it's an artificial diamond. It's made in a lab. But it, it, you can't tell the difference. If you got that and you looked at the diamond that had been made inside the earth, it would look exactly the same. But this one has been made out of CO2 taken from the sky. That's actually a very good NFT project because, you know, let's say, uh, you know, a famous artist, uh, Madonna's going around the world and we remove her CO2 and make that into, uh, you know, her CO2 emission offset is into this diamond that has value. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a story. It's a wonderful story. But there's lots of other ways that you can do it. I mean, you can suck the CO2 out of the sky and you can bury it 
where the oil and gas came from in the first place. I completely love this. It's so poetic. It's like we put it out, we stick it back. We put it back where it shouldn't have come from in the first place. It's almost like just turning the valve the other way. So you suck it out and you put it back under the ground. Well, it's circular in some like, in like circular respect. carbon. <laughs> and then there's other ways in which you can the 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 the, the, the rocks, some kinds of rocks like um, uh, rocks that come from volcanoes, they naturally suck up carbon dioxide from the air, but they do it over millions of years, so we can't wait. But if you grind them up really small they do it faster so you can actually get rocks to suck up the co2 and then spread them out over fields and the fields get the soil gets better and the crops grow better and they've taken it there's lots of clever ways if we're clever about it that we can actually help fix this so if i, I i'm i'm about all the tangible tools it's like how yeah. can we actually use this now so are these systems set up and like how much volcanic rock would I have to, I mean, do you, what do you, is this still called offsetting or is it just called carbon removal? I, I, I think it's better called carbon removals. And in fact, I set up a group that's actually trying to do this at the moment for exactly the reason that you're saying so many people have said, what can I actually do about this? Um, so uh, this, uh, this uh, organization is called Climate Healing. And, and we're, what we're doing is we're figuring out which of the, which of the um, uh, removals available now and, and how can we make it easy to get them and really trust them? But here's the funny thing about it. At the moment, there's, there's not enough. There's more people that want them than are actually making them. And Great. So, so what we, exactly. So what we think is that the trick is to get more demand. And you think that sounds, that sounds upside down. If there's too much demand, not enough supply, how, why would you go for more demand? And the reason is that if everyone's saying we want it, then the people who are making it go, okay, we can expand and we can expand and we can expand. It gives them the confidence, it gives them the finance, it gives them everything they need to be able to grow bigger. So what right, we're saying is everyone's be asking for this. And if everyone's asking for this, then that industry is going to just really, really skyrocket. And that's what so we need. So we need to make a little movement. I'm I'm an expert in how to create movements. So hey. we have our rallying cry, we have the tribe. Now we need to make the tribe bigger, but we just need Fantastic. kind of some content around it to, exactly. to push it. So I think, I mean, if you think about this, so what, what this is, is first of all, I mean, like you got to fly. So you fly, you, you try to minimize your flying or, you know, do, do direct flights. Or if, if it's a short haul, then go by train, which I think is much nicer anyway. But I'd always rather go by train. And, and that, that saves a lot. You know, so you try to be sensible about your travel. You look at the energy of the, of the venues that you go to for climate. You, you know, what, what exactly how are they doing their lighting and their sound and so on? Are they using renewable electricity? So could they easily switch? Or could they switch over time? Or can you actually? And, and, and I think lots of these venues, when they get pressure from artists, they think, we're going to have to do this and so that's when they start switching so there's the energy there's the minimizing travel there's the doing everything you can there's the food sometimes at festivals you do everything you can to kind of do switches that will work now then you calculate what's left and then you buy the removals from that and gradually say say it's like you know 30 percent now that you can cut down and 70 percent you have to buy removals and the plan is that you shift that so it becomes like 70 percent you do now and 30 percent removals and less and less and less until finally we solve this problem and that buys time for the likes of you know the the the, the airlines to the the, air, the airplane makers to build new planes and the the whole system to be able to switch and it has if to I, be both sorry yeah <laughs> it's just it's okay. that it, it buys it buys us time as humanity to survive yeah, exactly, exactly. potentially um exactly. so i have so can you please suggest uh i, I don't know if you uh, the carbon removal systems if you can uh, some maybe we can add it somehow on this on this sure, uh, sure. So I, and we i can actually that, use it already yeah because the, the offsets is, is not yeah, enough yeah. for me okay. and also uh you know there's only certain i gotta fly and 
Yeah. I can't, I can't get the guys to change the, the lighting. You know, I think each individual, each individual stakeholder of the music industry can do it Something. on their own faster than I can get other people to change, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think in a way it, it's, it's as much that if you're telling a story and saying, this is important, this can be done. These are the people that can help you. It's not as hard as you think. Yeah, then exactly. It's actually, you know, and that's why I was saying before that it is the code red is terrifying. That big red button that we have to press is terrifying and it is very, very urgent. But at the same time, there's plenty that we can do. So we just need to get creative and inventive and use our superpowers, right? And, and uh, you know, if your superpower is, 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 is music and storytelling and seeing what needs to happen in the world and changing it, that's the superpower of an artist. Artists have always imagined the world to be different and then help people feel it that way too. And so within this entire industry, this is a possibility of using that superpower to change that narrative. We cut down what we can right now. We remove what we can't right now. And we have a plan and we're, we're actually pressurizing all of the groups around us to follow that same pattern, to have a plan so that in 10 years time, we don't have to call it net zero, we can call it a zero, because we've actually found a way, there is actually 15 years or however long it takes, because all around us, the systems are changing because we're helping make them change by changing this story. I'm optimistic about that. But I just have one other thing that uh, I'm, I'm dealing with right now. So I would love, while I have you here, I would love to ask you, Right now, I feel like we have all this, uh, we have this consumer level. I, I find myself a consumer, okay? Um, because I just started getting into politics. We were just these naive, innocent, uh, you know, people in the music industry that want some change to happen. But then we realize we're actually up against this whole other layer of institutions and, um, you know, systems yeah. and systems. And, um, you know, we're getting into politics now and I'm, you know, I have to find out who, who, who my tribe is in, in the politics, mostly in the US right now, because that's where I, I, we can make change the quickest, I feel. Um, so I'm getting into that game, but I'm hitting some roadblocks somewhere, um, especially when it has to do with, uh, you know, lobbying and, uh, you know, the plastics industry and everyone, everyone pays everyone things. So I want to get, how do we, how do we change the narrative there? Because anytime that it gets to kind of a government decision, sometimes we get stopped just because uh, these guys are supporting that governor, you know what I mean? Like, how can we, how can we make the plastics and oil industry make more money in crypto or something? So, you know, the, the money doesn't matter to them anymore. Yeah. I think that's partly the game as well. It's just it's it's changing the changing the incentives, changing the story. And I love that you're getting involved in the whole politics of it as well. It is. I mean, there are people who are very 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 entrenched who are really trying to stop a lot of this. But I think my the sort of good news that I would say is that I work a lot with with businesses, and I work with all sectors. I work with NGOs. I work with Greenpeace, but I also work with oil and gas companies and I work with you know everyone basically my my philosophy in this is we, we we need everyone around the table and everything on the table and there are some absolute bastards out there there are some real bad guys who are just trying to stop it um but fewer than you think and I think more people I'm meeting who, who really want to do something but feel like that they're, they're, they're trapped because the system around them isn't letting them and, and that's where, first of all, I'd say that's where narrative is a superpower, be able to tell a story. Because if you give a story that says, look, this is how you can be part of this, and this is how you can, you can have a future in it, but not, not, not going the way you have been going, but going in a different way. And that's partly my job. 
So my team and I and lots of people around us are actually finding ways that the industry is steel and cement, you know, cement's actually responsible for 8% of global emissions, which is what well, more than twice as much as all aviation in the world. Uh, but everyone needs cement and, and, and they're, they're operating on really tight margins and they just don't know what to do. So I and a lot of other people are trying to find solutions for that. And there are good solutions and, and trying to make it happen and figure out what needs to change. Um, but I think I think first of all it, it it's 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 powerful to have a yes and story. So I, I think we, we keep bumping up against in plastics and in climate change and in, in many other you know serious issues. It's kind of my solution, not yours. And and it's uh, you have to be very pure, you have to be very perfect. And if you're not pure and perfect, then then you're not part of the movement. And, and that's okay if you want to be a kind of side movement, but if you really want to change the whole world, it has to bring everyone in. And so there has to be a part of this that everyone, everyone can, can connect to. And I just think about this very brilliant, very humble guy who grew up in the, in the Great Plains in North Dakota and went to Washington DC and worked for a well-known environmental NGO and thought, well, they don't speak any of the language that I heard back at home. They, they're just alienating the people that I know. But then he'd go back home and the people at home would be saying, oh, climate change, that's a load of rubbish. And he'd be thinking, well, they're not speaking it either. So he figured out how to build bridges and he worked out something that he wanted to happen, a particular tax credit as it happened that would help mm -hmm. in the climate game. So what he did was he got loads of environmental NGOs. He got he got oil and gas companies, he got um, uh, industrial people, he got trade unionists and he got them all to talk to each other. And they all started finding, well, actually, if we did it this way, that would help me and that would help me and that would help me. And then they found a Republican senator and a Democrat senator, both of whom were willing to sponsor it for different reasons. The Republican, because it would bring jobs, the Democrat, because it was climate. And then together they put it through Capitol Hill and it had the trade unions, the industrial uh, players, the oil and gas companies and the environmental NGOs all saying they wanted it. And it had a Republican and a Democrat. So it just went on through. It went Amazing. On through. So a diverse, diverse group of stakeholders all yeah. from all walks of the industry so that there's, you know, feels like one united team. Yeah. So then there's something, there's something in it for everyone. And there's also, you know, you, you're not saying it has to be, it has to be my pure vision of, of why we're doing this and exactly how we're doing it. But you actually, if, if you can, if you can just open it up enough, then it, and then that happened, that, that, that climate legislation sailed through under Trump, Trump's administration without any problem at all, because it was, it was being sponsored by people from right across all those divides. Great, so that's great that's, advice. That's yeah, great it, advice. Not the only question. way. So sometimes it takes, sometimes you also have to just like get your head down and just run at it like a ball. But I think that connecting, especially music, good at that, right? What's your question? Well, music is the greatest connector for all frequency, right? Um, I have another question for you, actually. Um, so there's another uh, kind of roadblock that we have. Um, it's greenwashing, you know, yeah. where we have all these uh, beautiful products that are coming into our music industry that, um, you know, people without the education uh, because it's very hard to navigate, you know, when you see an aluminum bottle, you think it's, it's, it's great. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a solution. Um, but then, you know, some of these products that are coming into the music industry and coming in hard because they have uh, funding uh, from big businesses, um, you know, they're, they're not actually correct solutions. Um, you know, they could have BPA in them as well. Like we're, we're running into all this stuff. Um, what is, you know, we, we, at Bye Bye Plastic, we provide a lot of education, but we can't 
provide education for the whole music industry because there's so many different pockets of the industry. Um, so how can, how can we potentially stop this greenwashing from happening uh, in our industry? Because a lot of people, for instance, are, are transitioning to this certain uh, aluminum bottle, but it has BPA in it, you know what yeah. I mean? So it's, it's not helping us. Yeah, so I think um, I, I, I've got two suggestions for this. And one of them is, I mean, if I had the answer, obviously I would have immediately used it and you'd already know it because it would be happening all over the world. And it is an issue. And right now, so many parts of the sort of climate solutions, it is a bit of a wild west. There are some areas that have really good kind of, you know, unless it has this standard on it, don't buy it and have you know have really solid but they tend to have been around for quite a long time and all of this new the, the stuff around plastics the stuff around removals that's another one where it's just how do i even know which are the ones where you just give me a piece of paper saying don't worry we did it or one that will actually go in and stay and so it, it is an important question and i think first of all um uh, we sort of have to do our best with what we've got right now and one thing that's important in this space, and it's especially important in removals, is that there's there's some technologies that you can say that's pretty that's pretty likely to work. That's doing well. We, those are good people. They've got good backers. That it's really likely to happen. So we'll go with those. Those you know have to make a bit of a judgment call while the standard setters are catching up. And so some of those might not work out. In good faith, you have to try and do it. But the second thing is you can also, uh, you know, if there's the, uh, oh, I've done my bits, now I can, I can, I can get on with it. Um, you, you have to have people who, you have to have your uber nerd, your uber nerds who know what the real story is. And, and I've forgotten the, the name of your, your own uber nerd, but everyone should have one, where you can actually say, what's the real story? And then for the education point of view in the music industry, your, your superpower is that people trust you and listen to you and you can reach them. You know, nobody's got a favorite politician, or at least probably nobody, but everyone's got a favorite musician. So, so you're in a position now where you can really, you, your responsibility is to try and understand as best you can what you think the story should be and then tell that story. But you don't have to do it all. You don't even have to do it all in the electronics industry, but what you do probably have to do if you care is find other people who you can help to do what you're doing. So are there, in, in other parts of the music industry, I, I bet there's plenty of people who are going, oh my God, what do we do about plastics? I don't know where to start. And you've already been leading in this. So are there people that you can help set up what you've set up? Who are the, who are the, who are the narrative setters? Who are the ones who will be trusted? Who are the, what, where are the websites or the, or the places where people go to to find out things about music? Yeah, we're doing that actually. Yeah, well, like the you thing find, you find the people who can make into champions, and they can do it, and then they can make people into champions, and they can do it, and it can just spread. Yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. Uh, hey. But right now, we're realizing that it's uh, it's hard to organize the the herd, not the the farm, <laughs> the farm animals. Um, yeah. uh, but we're we just figured out that we can all do that through the blockchain. Uh, so we're we're setting up a whole uh, framework through creator like social tokens through that, yeah. and we're giving utility to them. So anyone who wants to be a you know a green warrior, um, we're going to give utility to that token and incentivize them. And actually, we can build wealth and abundance through that token while they're doing good. I think that the blockchain. I want to come back to that because it's a really brilliant idea. And I think what I was just suggesting was something a little bit different. At least I think it was, uh, which is that you yourself 
have have done this thing you you've actually you, you cared enough and so you set up your, your organization you you've got this mechanism you've got the you've got a place where the education materials go and the thing is how can you scale that now you, you can't do it all yourself but can you find others who can be be inspired by you who can do what you've done in other parts of the industry individual people people who you turn into champions and then you just have to have faith they go off and do it you don't you don't if they, if they want help they can come back to you and i think I, i'm saying this because any anyone can do this I mean, you're in a fabulous position to do it because you're so respected and you're right at the heart of the music industry. Anyone in the music industry can do this, can figure out some part of this that they can do something about and then help other people to do the same thing. Or find somebody who's doing something where you think that's really cool and figure out how you can help them or how you can do it yourself. So we don't need to keep reinventing it. We can use that power of human champions and then separately the use of blockchain to be able to get around greenwashing is is, is also you know so it's like use the use the human element and the technological element together and then you're probably covering all bases 100 percent, yes for the blockchain thing i do it is super interesting because i you know i only dug into blockchain just because so many people are asking how do you really know you know if you take a you can take an apple that's been grown with really low emissions associated with it and you can take one that was grown in a greenhouse in new zealand and then flown around the world three times and they you can't you can do any chemical test on them you like they're still just both apples you don't know which one's which and so uh, one problem in the whole climate space is if you're trying to reduce emissions say i only want to buy apples that have been grown with really low, low carbon emissions. How do you know which one to buy? And blockchain. that's what blockchain, exactly. It's, it's supply huge. chain, yeah, V chain. There's there's many supply chain blockchain projects which track everything along its its process. And it's indelible, right? Once it once it's once it's had some experience, it, that gets indelibly marked and no one can erase it. You can't you can't cheat it, right? Exactly. There is a, I mean, I, I also know that blockchain, I mean, uh, and, and the whole cryptocurrency space uh, does take a lot of energy. And so right now, since the energy is often supplied by fossil fuels, it can have a, uh, a, a downside there. And I know that there's a lot of effort in trying to understand what to do about that, right? So we have different types of blockchains that uh, create different types of energy, depending on the algorithms they use to compute the, the blocks. So uh, Bitcoin is the grandfather chain, which is proof of work. That they do the most work to compute those blocks. But now we also we have Ethereum, which is the second one, uh, where all the dApps are built on. All the applications are built on top of that. It's the most used blockchain right now, pretty much. Um, and that's proof of work, but it's transitioning to proof of stake. It's going through proof of stake very soon. So proof, proof of stake. Proof of stake, yeah. Um, it's a different uh, consensus mechanism. So the way it produces the blocks, it's in a more efficient way. Um, so now we have different blockchains, uh, all these new layer ones, uh, there's many of them. Um, and they use proof of stake, proof of history. Um, so these are much more efficient uh, blockchains. It's just like when the light bulb came out, you know, when the first light bulb was around, it wasn't, it wasn't so efficient, but innovation happened. And that's what's happening with blockchain as well. So you said you, you wanted me to explain what the difference between a, a snapshot mentality and a transition mentality was, and it's exactly that. It's how we, you know, what, what, what we're starting now, but what can we get to and how can we make sure we're pushing it in the right direction? And energy efficiency for blockchains is definitely hugely important, not just for the cost, but also for the climate. Yeah, and it's when art started becoming uh, into the blockchain space and NFTs, that was the biggest topic, you know, and uh, that was just creating FUD in the industry. But so a lot of people were putting a lot of uh, in, intention into that 
Yeah. Tell me about the about the plastic space. So, because um, I, I there was one there was one week where I thought I wonder if I can do without plastics for a week, and then I realised that I, I could do things like have you know bags bags at the supermarket that weren't plastic or not not take anything like that I was and then I looked around my house at all the things that have plastic in them shampoo bottles or you know any any of the the the, the containers that I already have and I thought well do I just not touch them for the week I mean I've still, I've still got the plastic there and then I, I started to realize to my kind of dismay that probably I, I could, if I if I went to a supermarket and just and took my own stuff and put put the fruit into a bag and brought it home the fruit's probably still been wrapped in plastic until it got to the supermarkets had plastic sort of in its supply chain and 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 so i realized then that what what i wanted to do in my talking about plastic is trying to see how to change the whole system of how it's used rather than individuals and so i i think i'm interested in this kind of this uh dichotomy how do you change the system like politics and how do you change as an individual and how do you match the two of them so that you can get them to add into something that's really powerful? That's my question too, is how do you change the system? <laughs> I, I know how to change uh, myself and my kitchen and my bathroom of the plastic products. I can buy local, I can go to a bulk shop. You know, I, I, I can do that, but at some point I have to travel and I don't have that. You know, I can't change the grocery store. Um, yeah. I mean, no, forget it. We have a possibilist <laughs> attitude. Uh, <laughs> well, here's what I think. I, mean, I, I do think I, I like possibilists. People sometimes ask me if, if I'm a, an optimist or a pessimist. And I say I don't really like either of those labels because they're both fatalists. They're both, it sounds like something, the world is definitely going to change in a certain way. There's nothing you can do about it. If you're an optimist, it's because you, you're kind of generally sunny and you hope for the best. And if you're a pessimist, you're generally wintry and, and you fear for the worst, but you can't change it. Whereas I've been using that word possibilist to say that's what I describe myself as because you can't you can't predict the future, but you can create it. You totally. can make. So so what I was just thinking about that is how to marry the two. So what I do, um, you know, I have like I've changed my my electricity supplier to 100 percent renewable electricity. Me too. And and. I know that in terms of overall emissions for the country, it makes almost no difference, but it kind of makes a difference to me. And the same when I use my when I use my kind of carry cup for coffee or when I use my 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 carry my, my water bottle instead of buying new water. Um, every time I touch it, it reminds me that this is important. And that helps give me the energy to, to push for the, the big changes that can happen. So I think that's how I'd see it. Um, and, and I think it also it adds up to a new story. It adds up to a new narrative. And I think systems never change until narratives change and so people will say well we don't have a business model or it's too expensive or we don't have the right political structure or we don't but all of those things were invented by people and if we decide we want to do something differently we can but we need the story in our heads to realize it's possible and to understand how to do it right it's been created by the old system and yeah. the people in it yeah. yeah, but yeah, we're no, we're we're recreating the system now. I, I really feel like this is in this generation, the next 20 years, we're going to rewrite so many things. But I honestly think that and I keep going back to crypto, I think it's going to blow that out of the water just because there's a whole wealth transfer happening. Yeah. And when there's a wealth transfer, wherever the wealth is, they they have the power. Yeah. Um, and also in this new system, the, the old system can't keep up. They don't have the tools to to uh, coexist in that new system. Yeah. Um, 
so where do I want to go with that? I want to ask you more questions while I have you here because you have a lot of answers that I didn't have I didn't have answers to before. I would love for you to meet Camille, my other co-founder, my co-nerd. We're all nerds. I'm just we're all nerds under the sun. We're all nerds. Um, I would really love for you to meet her because uh, there's a lot that we can move forward I'd love, on. Sure. I'd love that too. And I think um, when I'm thinking about, you know, anyone who might be watching this or thinking about it, just like, what can I do and what should I do? I think if, if, if I'm thinking about what the biggest message is, I just, I try to tell to people when people, people would say to me, I've been talking about climate change for a really long time. And people say, what can I do? And I'd say, oh, change your light bulbs or, you know, recycling. And I don't say that anymore. Um, I say, I actually, two things. The, first of all, um, talk to people you don't agree with and try to be as open as possible to get people around the table. So that if, you're, if, you, if you say it can be this way and only this way and people feel shut out by that, they won't want to come and join in. But if you can really listen and understand where they're coming from and have a genuinely curious conversation, I think curiosity is a superpower in this, then, then you can, you, you can, you can bring more people around the table when you have more people around the table it's not just that you can have bigger collective action it's also you get better ideas so that that's one thing i say talk to people you, you don't necessarily agree with and be as curious as you can and, and and the other thing is that everyone's got some kind of leverage everyone's got some some way that they can they can do bigger influence than, than kind of just changing your light bulbs I mean some have got massive leverage like you and I, you know I have I, I give lots of talks I talk to business leaders I I am um, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a TED talk in a, a few months and and you know all of those they'll have big and I'm talking at the, the COP meeting in Glasgow um the the big uh, climate meeting that's going to happen in Glasgow and remember and all of those will have hopefully influence um and yet everyone just in 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 how you in how you buy and listen to your music in how you save money i mean people don't even realize it's not very rock and roll subject but pensions anyone who has a pension fund is investing loads of money and and, and usually doesn't even know where the money's invested and if that fire hose of money stops pointing that way and starts pointing that way it could put out a lot of fires that are burning now and and so i think you know in 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 your in your life in the way that you you talk about things in your school in your uh in your uh, uh you know in your clubs wherever if, if you're just resetting this going um we 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 know what's happening we know what needs to be done and we can actually contribute to it and if there's people like us helping make it easy to do that i just feel like surely that's gonna that's gonna change the world well, it has to. We're possibilities, right? <laughs> we all we all go down in flames, and then. <laughs> well, I guess there's another question for you. It's like most people in the industry, I guess most people worldwide, they want change to happen, but a lot of times it does come down to finances mm -hmm. as well. So, I guess just uh, do you have any advice on you know like the I understand being curious and mm -hmm. asking a lot of questions on, on how to kind of change their, their view on that or make it a priority. Some people want to, and then when it comes to actually taking action, they don't necessarily make it a priority. Yeah. So I think that's where, that's where powerful champions can really help. And, and, and it's the champions and the messengers. We do all sorts of things that, that in, in, when, when, when the iPhone first came out, 
And I said, why would I want a, a camera on my phone? I've already got a camera. Why would I have a, a camera on my phone as well? And I haven't, you know, I've got a camera somewhere in a cupboard now. I haven't touched it for ages. And, and, and what, what, so the first reason I got it though was that kind of cool people around me were getting it and I wanted it too. And then started using it, started realizing it's a really good product and that I wanted more. And now I wouldn't dream of having a phone without a camera. That'd be so inconvenient. And so, you know, I think that it's those two things. It's making, making it easy. But think, what we're trying to do with climate healing, make it easy. Give a product that people can actually say, okay, I get that, I can do that. So you take out all the uncertainty. And at the same time, having people who are cool say, this is what you should do. This yeah, you I'm gave me an idea. Ooh. That sounds dangerous. Good. I like dangerous ideas. <laughs> no, it's just incentive incentivizing. I thought of a way to, because uh, we're talking with some big crypto uh, companies that want to invest into the music industry, into just music and artists. So maybe there's a way we can incentivize nice. artists to do plastic-free parties, and that will kind of offset or nice. or uh, persuade. And, and inspire events, you know, event producers to go plastic free since we can offset the costs yeah. with, from those, those uh, partnerships. Right. It's, you know what we have to do? We have to be cleverer than they were. And luckily lots of them are pretty stupid. So hopefully we can do that. <laughs> or at least, even if we can't be clever, we need to be better storytellers. We've got, we got the best story. We've got the best story. This story is remaking the entire world. This is healing the earth. This is reversing climate change. This is looking at all the things that have given us stomachache for years and years and going, I will do something about that. And so will everyone else around me and we will fix this. And that's, that's the most powerful story. You can't get better than that. So Gabrielle, I, I totally agree with you. And I wanna go back to the meditating thing. Um, there, you know, you love to bridge gaps yeah. As, you know, and explore intersections. That's also what I love to do. Um, that we need to bridge the gap because we're so much in our mind all the time, you know, uh, anxiety just, and this causes all the anxiety and depression. Um, so also a lot of the work, you know, I'm glad you started meditating. So, you know, we have two stories to tell <laughs> because we, we need to bring humanity and ourselves back more into our heart and our, our second brain, which is down here. So, we we need that's where we're bridging the gap you know with mother nature and with our our heart bridging. that's yeah that's where the magic I, I, is too i of course i agree and it, it's it's basically you the, the the options are fear or love and 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 the the fear is immensely powerful force the second most powerful force in the universe I'm not surprised it terrifies so many. I'm not surprised it blocks so many it blocks me all the time and the only force in the universe more powerful than fear is love, love, love. And, 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 and music is one of the most powerful ways of spreading it. It's, it's because we, we engage with our hearts, not with our heads when we're listening to music and when we're connecting to it. And so, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's all I got. You're a powerful force for love, go and use it. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, it's, it's actually every single cell in our body understands music. Yeah, we're all resonant frequency. So with that, we have all the answers to make our music industry sustainable. Take that. We would love, we would love to find out those carbon removal uh, advices that you gave. Because I, I have every DJ's contact in the whole entire hey. music industry and I can contact them and like, hey guys, we need to remove our carbons. All you guys are driving, like riding private jets. Time to so remove cool. your carbons. So cool. We, we should, we, we will talk more. And in the meantime, what a treat. Thank you. I really loved this. I feel I'm going to go away feeling very inspired and I will remember to meditate tonight. 
Amazing. It was really nice to meet you. And I can't wait to pick up on all these conversations. You bet. You too. Bye now. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Walker and Vivian, for that thought-provoking discussion. Lots of interesting points raised from our industry experts to digest and develop further. We now turn to our moderator, Kiki Lomo, who will introduce our speakers from the Association of Electronic Music, Digital Festival and Agrina Festival, who will provide a further insight and analysis. Okay, I guess I'll do the little introductions now. So yeah, hello everyone and welcome to the second edition of The Big Question in collaboration with the International Music Summit, Beatport, Pioneer DJ and the Association for Electronic Music. Um, so in this monthly series, if you haven't watched it before, we'll be presenting a 45 minute unscripted conversation between well-known electronic music artists on a given topic, um, examining the most important issues facing the electronic music industry today. Um, and then following these conversations will be an analysis of the conversation hosted by AFEM, featuring um, some of our members and industry experts picking up on the points raised by the artists um, or other industry experts, discussing them and developing them into key learnings and best practices and actions that the industry can adopt. So my name is Kike Lomo. I'm a DJ, presenter, host and curator, as well as the co-chair for the AFEM Working Group on Diversity and Inclusion, and I'll be moderating today's discussion. Um, and today's discussion, the theme for, the theme for today's discussion um, is Environment and Sustainability, featuring a candid discussion um, or conversation between DJ and electronic music artist Blondish and scientist and author Dr. Gabrielle Walker. Um, so I've got a bunch of lovely faces with me um, in the Zoom chat today. Um, so I have joining me for the analysis of the conversation are three industry experts who are providing their knowledge and experiences um, to help shape this discussion. So first up, we have Claire O'Neill, who is the co-founder and director of A Greener Festival um, with Arcadia Spectacular and the organizer of the Green and Green Events and Innovations Conference, GEI. Um, also on the call is Mitchell van Doyeveer. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah. I'm practicing. <laughs> um, yeah, and he is the sustainability manager um, or sustainability coordinator for Digital Festival and Revolution Foundation. Um, and we also have Ornella Valena, Valana, Olena Valana, beautiful name. <laughs> um, and she is the communications manager of La Feria in Chile, which has announced that it is the first um, club in the world that will operate on clean energy and is 100% solar powered. So thank you everyone for joining this discussion today. Um, I hope every how's everyone doing? All doing well? Oh, good. Excited. Yeah. Fantastic. Great. Um, and yeah, I think um, it would be great just to jump into kind of like the thoughts and the feelings around the conversation that we um, watched with uh, Gabrielle and Blondish. I think everyone was kind of shocked by this UN um, code red for humanity and this this really um, and this massive emphasis on the, the real need for change. And I'd be really interested to know kind of how this made you all feel, maybe on a, maybe starting with Mitchell and going around with everyone else, how it made you feel and how you um, cope and process, but then also um, how you find reasons or what reasons you find to be optimistic. So for me, the, uh, the UN report was both feeling like happy that it's like communicated now that's that is, that is uh, that it is code red and that we need to act right now but the other thing is that it's like yeah it's really 
hard to see that we are that far already. Uh, but for me as a sustainability manager and uh, from digital, it's good to see that we what we are doing is on the right way and that what we are doing uh, inspire others to uh, really uh, focus on uh, climate change and, and, uh, and acting in the right way. So for me, it was a good report to uh, highlight the fact that we are doing the things that we are doing. Well, for me, I really believe um, it was a moment uh, um, important to actually understand that we have to do what we're doing right now a little bit stronger, a little bit faster in order to spread the word uh, to everyone, not only on the industry side, on our daily lives, so that we can spread uh, the actions that we are taking to more champions, as they say in the conversation with Bondish and, and Dr. Gabriel. Like we need to repeat the actions that we're, we're taking in the industry to more places with more people and uh, also with the younger generations. Um, I feel optimistic on the side that, um, as Mitchell said, I'm happy that at least we're doing something. And actually, this is a, a opportunity to be optimistic. This chat, this conversation is, is certainly gonna get the word out of what everyone's doing and it's certainly gonna inspire more people. So. Uh, we're on the right path. Yeah, absolutely. With the IPCC report that came out, I mean, it was, um, I was happy to see it because it wasn't a surprise. It wasn't really um, new news for those that work in sustainability all the time. It was just another fantastic way to present and articulate it in no uncertain terms, which hopefully will oil the wheels a little bit for want of a better expression to help with governments, businesses and individuals to actually go, okay, let's like stop messing about now. And we do all know that there's nothing like a deadline to get things done. So I feel like this is definitely gonna be um, a few years of serious action. So whilst it's obviously not great news, it's also um, a great kick up the bum, I'd say. So I'm quite pleased to see the IPCC report. Right. And I, I think one of the things that the IPC, IPCC report really emphasizes is the need to take action. And I think what would be great to get from this conversation that we're going to have over the next 40 ish minutes or so are some really key actionable points, maybe five points that we can use to kind of give us advice for the rest of the music industry. So maybe, um, yeah, we can we can keep that in mind. Um, and I think from the discussion between Dr. Gabriel and the Blondish, they kind of look at things from um, a macro perspective. So also from a business level, but also on an individual level. So maybe we can use that to kind of guide the discussion. Um, so I think one of the interesting points, which is also quite um, interesting for me because it's something I'm struggling with at the moment. Um, so Blondish and Gabrielle talk about the implications of traveling and the struggles to kind of juggle the obligations of, you know, being in the industry that usually requires you to travel, but also having the desire to be more environmentally responsible. Um, so I maybe open the question up to the round, whoever's brave enough to take it first. Um, how do we improve the environmental credentials of the industry that is so dependent on travel as a function and is intrinsically linked to consumption in a way? Maybe, maybe on, uh, Onella, you want to start? Yeah, sure. Um, I think one of the main things we can start changing in the way we do things now, especially in a region as, as it is uh, South America, Latin America, is actually taking advantage of the local scene. 
like uh, obviously we know the carbon footprint and the whole industry is very related to having international artists go in and out very quickly uh, for fast tours. But now we can actually have a moment to take a look at what's happening in each country to make these artists actually have a more a space to develop. And also the opportunities uh, now are, are much more like more equal in terms of what everything that happened with the streaming and everything. So at least one artist that's from South America that does maybe doesn't have to go to Europe to actually get known and get his music listened to because what just happened during the past year like settled everything a little bit more for everyone. And we need to keep taking advantage of that. And in terms of flying in, I'm sure it also uh, when all the tours, because now America's opening up again, but once it gets back to normal, uh, that the tours are like more have a more uh, important purpose than just go to the to the actual um, country and be there one night and play another one, but like stay a little bit longer, maybe get involved with uh, giving out the message, the same the same things that we're talking about right now because that is actually gonna start uh, making the foundations of a more meaningful type of uh, traveling and uh, working in the end. I think that that's a really valid point. You touch on so many good elements there. It's interesting because the conversation <clears throat> that we just heard was very much around narrative and story and the story that we tell ourselves and then the narrative that actually creates our actions, our frame of reference that we believe to be true, that then influences the way that we behave. And I think that it's very true that the narrative in our industry has become one that we are consumers that our audience, our consumers, our industry is built around encouraging consumption. Whereas actually, it's really about creativity and community and celebration. So if we can, as much as possible, like what you were just saying, for example, about bringing um, more purpose to where we're going and spending more time there, we don't have to stick to the same framework that we always had. So there are opportunities to not only reduce our emissions, but also really enhance the quality and depth of our experiences along the way. And that's not to say have less gigs. It's maybe to have more gigs, in fact. <laughs> you know, why not visit five cities in one country rather than one? And then you tackle the audience travel at the same time. And um, I think that another element within that as well, kind of bounces back out to the macro environment that every single industry is working on this now. So at the moment, this speedy travel in out, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am kind of affair that we have often with our gigs is highly unsustainable and, um, and therefore we need these removals of our emissions as well as reducing. But, um, but that is gonna change and there will be alternatives, but it's just not ready now, it's not ready in time. So we need to consider that. Um, and also that impacts our well-being as well as environmentally. So I'm sure that any DJ who's gone to five countries in three days will say, it is not actually a fun experience, at least by the fourth gig. You know, you're not getting to enjoy yourself, your head's spinning, you're knackered. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, so I think that there's, there's ways that we can change, but it starts with with what we believe our industry is in the foundation. Yeah, one of the big takeaways from the uh, coronavirus uh, crisis is that we, uh, 
where we were one of the first festivals that would uh, that would be uh, held in March 2020. And then in, uh, uh, it was canceled. And in five days, we organized the digital event of our event, Digital Digital. And we never had that much, uh, that big audience in our event. So we had 5 million visitors at our events. And that opens up for us, wow, it's just so extreme that we can do something like this for 5, 000, 5 million visitors. But at the same time, we uh, saw that it was not the, the experience that we want to give to our visitors. And, and we understand how important the festivals were in, during the pandemic. And uh, so it's, it's not only a party, but it's much more than that. It is, a festival has so much, has a lot of purpose already, and especially uh, some of them, and some of them are a little bit less, uh, has a little bit less purpose, but some of them are really, really focusing on purpose. So that was a key takeaway for me in the, uh, in, in the pandemic as well. And therefore we uh, focus on, okay, what, what is our event and what, why, why do our visitors need our event? And therefore we go really in depth. Um, and then we started to, uh, to brainstorm and we had a lot of conversation with all the different departments. And then kind of magic happened that not, it was not sustainability part anymore where I was working, but the whole, the whole uh, team was working on one big festival and was focusing on everything because we had the time uh, we were more happy to see each other. We were, yeah, we were really close to each other, and that was really cool to focus on, uh, yeah, different types of, uh, of of teamwork and 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 focusing on how can we, how can we make our event even more uh, sustainable, and how can we give it more purpose and the uh, whole. Um, and we had a lot of uh, inclusivity trainings where we uh, get really into depth in that purpose. So it was, yeah, I think focusing on the uh, uh, consumption uh, economy. We, we were really happy that, that we really have like a purpose in this life and that the events really needs to stay, but we need to do it in the right way. And theref therefore we need to find solutions. And that's, yeah, I think that's the key takeaway from us, from, uh, from the pandemic. And, and Claire, what have, what have your experiences been in, uh, with the with the festival and trying to make it more or making consumption more sustainable. Um, so one thing we try to do is to stop calling um, the audience or the participants consumers. Again, it's like that trying to reframe the mind that actually you're a participant of events, not a consumer of um, of what we're trying to sell to you. But um, I mean, it's quite a big question because we've been looking into festivals for 15 years and obviously the last 18 months, um, as Mitchell just described, have really spun everything on its head. Um, but what we began, the thing that sparked the initial interest in festivals and sustainability was because it provides this um, space out of the normal day to day life for a start. So that's a great opportunity to introduce other ways of doing things. Um, not in every case, but in many cases, it's bringing people back into nature as well. Obviously not for the, the city events, but it takes you under the elements at the very least, um, which is good for, for getting outside of the, the kind of city life where you're just plugged into a tap and electricity at a switch um, and your cooker and like everything just available on tap essentially. Um, and then also the opportunity for trying new ways of doing things, uh, whether that's in infrastructure, such as how your sewage, waste, water is planned, or whether it's in systems, um, in the way that you communicate or people move. 
Um, and these are the kind of things that to do on a city level would be extremely expensive and risky if you didn't know they were going to work. Whereas with festivals, it's such a fertile ground for experiment um, that it's it's a, a clear place for trialing elements of different ways of living. Um, and then add to that the fact that festivals are this coming together of community, which is so important on um that when we talk about sustainability, there's there's the very practical way of looking at it. Like for instance, reducing how many tons of waste, reducing your liters of fuel, et cetera, et cetera. But fundamentally, it's really our relationship with our environment um, and our relationship with each other and recognizing that that is actually all one thing. Um, we're not separate from the environment. We're very much a part of it. And to feel that and to recognize that we also need to have connection with each other, because so long as we feel detached and isolated um, and separate, then we're not going to um, naturally just live in harmony with the environment. So this is why festivals are so fundamentally important. And when you look at the trying to break out of the consumer um, narrative and the consumer frame of mind, any high street, uh, in the world, I'm going to say that, but <laughs> any high street in most countries, all of the buildings are about come and buy something. We have products for you to buy, come and consume. That's what's being facilitated to people is consumption. Whereas most festivals don't do that. You have other places where you have really amazing and um, creative activities to do, or you're dancing, you're celebrating, you're doing something other than consuming actually while you're there. Um, so it's it's not such a, a practical thing necessarily. We have seen a lot and I can talk a lot if you wish about things like um, renewable energy and so on. But I think that that connection is probably our most important and urgent element at this point in time. Yeah, and to elaborate on the uh, the, the testing ground for, uh, for cities. So at Digital, we are in the middle of Amsterdam and we see our uh, event as a living lab for the whole city and for, uh, for, circular, for circular innovation as well, because we need a lot of innovation and uh, we need to change the whole uh, behavior from linear to circular. So we are redesigning and rethinking all the systems on our festival from uh, linear behavior to circular behavior. One of those, um, one of the uh, practical things are like the hard cup system where you have like a deposit system with uh, where the where the visitor is responsible to bring their cup back, for example. But next to that, we have uh, uh, renewable energy. Uh, we have an, a circular food court where uh, where we serve plant based food uh, and the visitors are um, asked to bring their uh, natural and disposable uh, but biodegradable uh, plates and cutlery back to the back to the um, recycle point and then uh, inside of the of, of the visitors on site uh, within 24 hours we make compost out of it and that's really um, reflecting on yeah that, that is reflecting on their behavior in the change from the linear to the circular economy I think and therefore we can we can um, rethink and we can design the whole event because we build it and we break it down afterwards so it's a, it's a perfect testing ground, testing ground for the circular economy. 
Amazing. And I think, so with this talk of um, switching from linear to circular systems, and Claire, you mentioned about things, talking about um, new new ways of trying things, this kind of like innovation perspective. Um, Ornella, I would love to hear, um, and actually also thinking about the conversation that we just watched, you know, Blondish and um, Gabrielle were talking about things like CO2 diamonds and hydrogen planes. So yeah, Ornella, I would love to know um, if you have any thoughts or experiences or um, even people working in sustainability that you feel are important to highlight and any other innovations that are kind of exciting you, particularly in the, in the music space. Sure, sure, thanks. Um, well, actually, um, from the conversation from Gabrielle and, and Blondish, I really got a, a very emotional uh, on the part about storytelling because when I listened uh, to what they had to say, I understood that obviously everything that's happening, at least in my, my, my environment, regarding uh, my labor and my work at La Feria Club uh, is really, really important. And this is a great instance and we're really thankful for being able to, to let people know what we're doing. Um, so it can be an example for others and set the path forward. So for those people that don't know, La Feria is a club that's been around for 20 years. It's located in Santiago, Chile. Uh, it's been part of the culture since ever at the start of many now renowned artists. And um, the club had started making some little changes um, that maybe seemed nowadays kind of obvious. Like for example, eliminating the straws and getting all the tickets 100% digital. Well, that maybe three or four years ago, maybe more um, wasn't so obvious. Every little change the people had to learn how to adopt to them and, and we went forward. And we got to a point where we said, okay, we need to look even further on. And at that moment, the vision of the club uh, got along with the vision of a brand that's, that's Budweiser. They, are, they, have, they made a commitment in the World Economic Forum to get all their beers, all the production, 100% uh, made with clean energy by 2025. And with that vision, what they did was approach to the club and said, okay, what better uh, instance than to use music to get this message out to the people? Not about what they're doing, but how do we get this idea, the vision that we have, the vision that you guys have as a club for going greener and doing things that are better for the world uh, while we work? How do we get this message to the everyday lives of, of each person that attends um, our events and, and our community? And that's how um, in 2019 in May, the club um, went to a process of about three or four months about becoming the first club uh, to operate with solar panels. There are 35 panels on the roof of the club, which are useful for all the consumption that the club needs. And when the club is not uh, functioning, obviously all this energy goes back to the grid and um, there's the balance between what we use and what we give out to, to, the, to the whole system. Actually, now we have a lot of energy accumulated, so we need to, to start uh, pumping it up again out. So um, it was a great milestone to be able to do it. And it sets an, an example that it's possible, that it's very important for every venue to think about this. And, and if necessary, to partner up with other parts of the sector. Like if there's one thing we learned also uh, with the pandemic is, is about interdependence and in every environment, little or small, like our community or the world that we live in. And we can't do things ourselves sometimes. And that's why this project that, that's a co-creation 
actually got the, this happening, you know, like the first club with solar power. And I'm sure more instances like this can come up around the world. And um, I, I like to highlight it a lot because it's something that came from uh, South America and it's not usual typically in the industry. So the more that we are communicated, such like in, like in what we're doing right now, it's very uh, useful because it's not only in some parts of the world, it's like everyone is doing something. We just need to talk more and join forces and, and go even forward faster. Amazing. Um, and I, I actually wanted to touch upon um, something that Blondish mentioned. Um, so she was talking about dealing with kind of like the capitalistic element of the industry and some of the challenges involved with that. And I think all of you are working in cultural spaces that are kind of doing something good for the community, but obviously have to operate in a system that's based on kind of ma making money. Um, by the, that's the nature of the, our, our society. But I would love to hear your thoughts. Um, what thinking about as the world is kind of currently reopening, um, how can the electronic music industry make sure that we don't go back to the old pre-COVID patterns of ridiculous amounts of travel and excessive consumption and excessive waste? Um, maybe Claire, um, you, you would like to give your thoughts first and then to everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. I think in some ways we're not going to be permitted to, so that's helpful, <laughs> either through border controls and still the lag of what happened with the pandemic, but um, also there's international laws, there are laws coming into most nations now about restricting our emissions and curbing plastic, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Whether they are enforced and they're quick enough or strong enough, and whether the policies actually follow the legislation is another question, so I won't get into that just now. But to bring it back to the electronic music industry itself, I mean, for a start to do business as usual and go back to as things were when we know that it was fraught with problems is really boring. <laughs> like, wouldn't it be much more exciting and interesting to build something new and better? Um, and then there's the other fact that our business models, we created them, we've invented them. It's not like they were handed to us when we were born. Well, they were in our case because uh, it was the dinosaurs of the music industry before us that made it, right? <laughs> but um, no, I'm just joking. So we can change those models. And it is very true that you need to pay the bills. It needs to work. People need to be paid and need to eat. The businesses need to run. Um, and so you can't just forget about the money and follow an ethical ideology. Um, but you can make the money work for what we're trying to achieve. And um, one of the things that I've been suggesting recently is to look at your budget for whatever it is, whether it's your tour, your festival, whatever it may be, and see if you can convert each line of that budget to go, is this being spent on fossil fuels or is it being spent on creativity? And that can help you if, you're, if that's your intention to make changes so that, for example, you might add an extra three days into design so that you can lose two trucks off a tour. You know, or you might add an extra few days into rehearsal so that you can take less of a team flying around the world, for example. You know, so trying to just rebalance where the money is applied. I think another thing that's really going to help in this instance, and we've been experiencing this um, and it's making me very happy, is that most of the industry, whatever sector, like whatever element they're in, whether it's lighting, sound, trucking, um, 
the, the transportation, whether it's the agents, managers, artists, promoters, people are really engaged and want to make the change. And when everybody gets the signal from one another that we all want to do it, none of us know how it's going to work. <laughs> no one's got all the answers. But if we're all willing to make the effort and we're all willing to adjust and change together, then we've got much more um, possibility and strength in numbers. And to just always be prepared to challenge your um, assumptions that something is how it has to be, because it's probably just a learned behavior that we can easily change if we're aware of ourselves. Yeah, for us it is that um, we have set our goals. So we want to be circular as a festival in 2020 already. Uh, so we are working on that constantly, constantly to uh, to yeah reduce emissions, to get to zero waste, uh, and all our we we try to um, try to uh, have all our suppliers uh, on that goal too. So therefore, we are organizing like uh, circularity conferences. Therefore, we uh, make briefings to get them on board. Uh, therefore, we uh, do roundtables. Therefore. We share our knowledge, all those things that we are doing. And, and I think uh, just what you said, Claire, that everybody is sending those messages that they wanted to do it in a more efficient way or in a way that it is not harmful for the for the environment. And I think it, that's all is becoming more clear and especially with the UN report as well. And I think there are so much signs that we need to do it different than, than two years ago. So therefore, I think uh, with, with a lot of knowledge sharing, uh, from the from from the front runners, uh, a lot of uh, knowledge sharing from some specialists and 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 getting, as Gabrielle said, everyone around the table and every everything on the table, then then we will go forward instead of backwards. So I'm really optimistic for that. Exactly, exactly. There's a lot of willingness, uh, and we as we are part of the industry and all the people that that work in this. Obviously, we also have a responsibility because we can help communicate the how. Like we are, let's say one step forward of the normal person that goes to the events and says, okay, uh, I'm, I'm making changes in my life. Like maybe I stopped eating meat or I, uh, I don't use much plastic as before, but what does that have to do with partying? Like we should have, um, we have the tools and we are still learning also on this way how to get the message to people, tell them, like take them by the hand and tell them, okay, this is what you can do in party mode or uh, in while you're enjoying yourself, but you can also help reduce or not use uh, things that you did. Let's just not do the, thing, the things the same way we did it before. And we are really studying how to make those differences. That's such an important point. I just wanted to um, comment to that because it is bringing the people on board or also just empowering and connecting with all of these millions of people that we touch every year. Um, not literally, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Um, and if we've got our own house in order as much as we can, then our voice is going to be so much stronger to give those messages because if we're not actually looking at ourselves and pulling our own socks up, then it's going to be very um, insincere. Um, but also that doesn't mean that we need to be perfect and have everything sorted because nobody is. Um, but to just be honest and open and actually speak to one another like um, adults, <laughs> you know? uh, we could teach the politicians to do that as well one day. 
Um, but I think it's a it's such a good opportunity um, that we can't miss. And it's actually not just an opportunity, it's a responsibility um, that we have to, to use this platform during these, these deadline hours. Yeah, and I think that um, during the pandemic, we all came together much closer as a, as a whole festival and event sector and the whole music industry as well. Because I, I spoke a lot of, uh, yeah, we had a lot of online um, knowledge sharing meetings, but also uh, I have a lot of contact with artists as well, uh, such as we are here now too. Um, but I, for example, I um, uh, two weeks ago, I launched a new campaign for sustainable aviation fuel. And uh, we got a lot of, uh, we, the whole conversation about flying and about uh, traveling with artists or from the uh, the festivals and all, it was uh, it was always hard to have that conversation, but now it was actually, uh, we were able to have the conversation and we were able to find solutions together. And we were like really bonded together instead of that we are far from each other and that we were like uh, afraid for, for uh, a kick for like, um a backfire or something now everybody was open for discussion and was tr trying to uh inspire their their fan base or you know everybody was looking for opportunities to do it more sustainable and i think especially in the netherlands it was kind of uh, uh and really 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 excited saturday last saturday that we had the unmute campaign i don't know if you've seen that it was kind of a love parade through whole Amsterdam with all the festival organizers uh, together, and it was really feeling as like we are we are one as as a as a whole music industry, and it was so nice to feel. Fantastic! It looks amazing, actually. I saw the the pictures in the news, and it's it's also kind of inspiring to see so many people coming together and kind of like using their united voice to kind of. Um, speak up about something, you know. Um, and I'm also getting, I'm making notes in the background, and I've picked up already a lot of amazing points that we can take away as an industry. So, from taking advantage of local scenes, when looking at things like travel, or reducing the emphasis on consumption, or being open-minded to changing perspectives and challenging assumptions, looking at the bit of bigger picture, like looking at what going, what's going on behind the scenes. Um, for example, like looking at supply chains and sourcing and also sharing the knowledge from front runners and kind of using this to empower and connect people throughout the scene. So I think we're already on a really good track for loads of actions we can take away, but I feel like we can get some, um, a lot more. Um, I think we've spoken a lot about kind of the macro perspective and the business level of the industry. And I'd really love to drill down uh, into the individual level. Um, I think Blondis mentioned about she how she uses her leverage as an artist to really bring about this change, particularly with um, enforcing some of her plastic-free parties that she's done. She spoke about um, the club in Ibiza and really, really emphasizing for them to kind of get on board with this. And I would love to talk a little bit more about what we can do as artists or as um, individuals in the industry to kind of like draw down change. So I know there's a lot of talk about art, um, green riders and artists using them and really pushing sustainable change. And I know Claire um, with um, AFEM, you're doing a lot of work around that. Maybe you could expand um, a little bit more around that, about the work that's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to apologise now in case a drill suddenly starts going off next to me. <laughs> My neighbours are doing some building work um, and I can hear them just getting started. So with um, AFEM, we've been working for um, probably about a year with a, a lot of um, effort being put in as well by Camille from Bye Bye Plastics to bring together all of the different green 
blue eco riders that we have around the industry and kind of get it down to its fundamentals um, so that that can be shared open source with anybody um, who wants to take in this kind of um, template, I guess, of, of requests and also not just requests, but almost commitments from what the, the individual themselves will do. What we're trying to do with that is, um, is essentially spark the conversation between all those different departments. And it's something that as, um, as AGF now with a number of tours, we've been going in to, to implement that by having discussions with all of the suppliers, um, well, starting with the designer, the agent, artist, management, produ production, and then starting to speak to each one of the, um, the suppliers, such as lighting, sound, um, trucking, whoever it may be that's on the team or within the event. Um, and then all of the venues um, or the festivals, everywhere that they're going to go. Um, so that we can make sure that everybody's on the same page, but not just going in and saying, you must do this way because actually you'll speak to one of the suppliers and they have got their whole own world that they understand much better than you do. And so it's good to say, okay, well, this is fundamentally what we're trying to achieve. Let's say it's um, reducing energy consumption and weight on the trucks. Um, and then they can tell you, okay, this is how we can achieve that. If this department here will do X, Y, and Z. And then the same with the venues, especially across different countries, you might have um, very different situations, different waste infrastructure of a country, different power supply of a country, different transport networks, different cultures. And so there is not a one size fits all. So this opportunity for communication between every little link on the chain um, is crucial. And that again, facilitates that empowerment because every conversation that we have, it opens the doors and says, this is the direction of travel we want to go in. Um, and you find more often than not, you're pushing on a very open door. Um, and then we learn a lot more quickly as well, because you're getting to find out what is the reason that this isn't already happening? What are the obstacles or what are the beliefs that actually aren't true that we can now overcome because we're having the conversation? Um, so that is really the purpose behind the concept of the green riders um, and then how they're being implemented on the road. Um, I'm going to stop there in case anyone wants to comment on it before I go on a monologue. <laughs> About what Claire said about uh, suggesting like getting these green writers and then introducing them to every promoter, artist, uh, festival. Obviously, at first, uh, maybe a few years ago, it would be more difficult. But now, as Mitchell said, there's a great disposition from everyone after what we've gone through. It's like, this is the big story of how we're going to change humanity. Maybe it sounds like, oh, wow, yeah, but it is, oh, wow. I mean, um, every story has like uh, the context, then comes the, the drama. And then comes like getting out of the drama and the benefit and what we learned. Okay, the drama passed. Now we got new knowledge, things that we can do. And uh, obviously everything will be a suggestion, but I'm sure that this time it will be even faster to adopt these measures. Um, on my point of view from, from La Feria as a club, as a promoter or booker, um, actually the adoption of these green writers will be much quicker then maybe if Claire would have reached out to us uh, three years ago, it would have been like, why, how, I don't know, Man, this is not possible. Or maybe if Landish comes over to the club and say, okay, this is what, um, this is the proposal for the booth without plastic and how you can expand it to all areas of the club. Okay, it will be much easier to actually do it than to be thinking all our things on, on our own, you know? 
steps because the next steps, at least for us, is uh, is that to make the whole club, um, every workflow, every every action that comes out um, sustainable, or at least the the least uh, waste possible, and to actually take care of whatever we can dispose correctly. But um, that's the next steps. Okay, we got the the main part covered, the music, the lights, the the, the whole electricity system. That's great, but there's more to do. And um, regarding plastic, uh, and yeah, it's a, a bit more difficult maybe in a club, but if we are on this together, I can share experiences with Mitchell, with Claire, and they can share with us. And the same thing can repeat towards the entire ecosystem, not only in English, also in Spanish, in all languages possible, because that also is very, very, very important. It is. And uh, so we work towards this uh, circular festival and therefore a circular artist, uh, an, an artist journey needs to be circular too, uh, and the backstage too. So we thought about that a long time. We had a lot of meetings about it and we came to uh, uh, some interventions to make it more sustainable or even uh, circular. So therefore we came, okay, first artists need to come to our event. Uh, we want to, want to have them like uh, traveling zero emissions. So if that's not possible, then uh, we need to find options to reduce those emissions. For example, if they are flying because it's an unavoidable flight, then we uh, replace the fuels with uh, uh, bio-kerosene, sustainable aviation fuel. Um, and then if they are at the airport or at the train station, then we pick them up with electric vehicles. Like, uh, uh, and then from then we bring them to a hotel. We choose the hotel in Amsterdam, which is the most sustainable and circular. Uh, and uh, just really low impact at that hotel. And then from the hotel the next day or the same day, no matter how, what, there um, we are bringing them um, again with an electric uh, car. And from then uh, we are bringing them to the festival and then they play their DJ set on the, uh, the, 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 yeah, the whole set is powered by renewable energy, the whole uh, stage. And from then they're getting some food and that's all plant-based. Um, and, and they have like a menu for their rider instead of like, uh, I want to have a, a Mexican uh, uh, tequila, for example, we have only, a, we have a local rider with, with for example, a gin, with, which is uh, solar uh, produced. We have a lot of local products that they can choose and, and mo most important that, that we can also process in our waste stream, because that's really important. You can have like the green rider where you can, uh, where you uh, ask for, I know, uh, no, no plastic, but choose for Tetra, for example, but we don't have an option to process that, then it's still not circular. So you need to align the rider with the, uh, the processing methods of the festival and their, and their processor. So yeah, that was basically what we are, what we are worked on and the whole circular artist journey and it was really cool. And we tried to get every, everybody on board in the next event that we're going to do. But the first responses were really nice. Sounds fantastic. I'm really excited to see what um, comes about and what, what happens in the festival. Um, is, um, when is the next festival, actually? Uh, it should be 11th and 12th September, but it is cancelled. So uh, it will be or um, in uh, October during ADE. Uh, okay. and otherwise, it will be the festival in April again in, during Easter. Okay, amazing. Um, we have just under five minutes left um, of the chat. I, I'm really inspired by a lot of the points and conversations that have been going on. So I want to ask one question um, and hear your thoughts about it. So 
Um, I think there's a common theme that's come up about kind of like people being used as tools and like being advocates and being used for um, activism, but also this kind of sense of community about bringing people together, knowledge sharing, um, really inspiring um, people to kind of make change and bringing that collective effort, which I think is actually imperative to change the direction that we're heading in terms of um, climate. So I know that um, the electronic music scene was built based on community and some people would maybe argue that the original spirit behind it has been lost to consumerism and the selfie generation. So how can we harness the spirit of community and togetherness um, and galvanize it to provide some form of positive progress on environmental issues? Maybe um, Ornella, you wanna give your, your thoughts first? Yeah, sure. I think um, we just have to look a little bit deep inside ourselves and understand with time, because this is a very personal process, but when it hits you, once you really understand what's happening with the world and take conscious, um, you can actually understand that every single thing you do in your life on your daily basis or when you're having fun can go towards a, a better path, um, especially now that everyone is like into the same mood. Um, maybe all this thing that happened, uh, it's very um, interesting to see how the world has shifted totally towards a new, a new vision, at least to take responsibility and consciousness with nature and, and everything we have to do. Let's also listen to the young, younger ones because we can teach them some rules, how to do this, that, okay, but they can teach us a lot more. So there's also a, a good thing to catch there. Who wants to go next? Maybe Mitchell? Yeah, I think uh, we, we need to uh, be happy with every step everybody's taking and we need to show solutions. Uh, and next to that, we need to communicate with each other. Um, and uh, yeah, try to start a movement and, uh, and share love with each other. And I think that's the most important thing. And I think music unites and uh, I think we can uh, inspire uh, a lot of people and uh, within the music industry. So artists, take your stand. Uh, promoters take your stand and uh, yeah, so everybody should do it and everybody should be part of the movement and be part of the revolution, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think how we harness the sense of uh, that sense of community is to start actually living it and to, to treat each other in that way. So whether it's a relationship between an artist and agent or promoter or the crew, the team, your communications with one another on a day-to-day -day basis, actually start living that. So rather than the macho environment of trying to be um, harder, faster, louder, stronger, more powerful, um, we need to move away from that and actually start to be a bit more caring. Um, but I think it's also important to look at well, what is it that we're trying to achieve as well and how can we do it quickly. Community, yes, absolutely. But everyone here has touched upon the three big factors, which are 80% of our impacts as individuals, which are food, transport and energy. And so if we can all just, A, make sure that we're taking care of each other to harness the, the, um, the culture of community, and then look at energy, transport, food. We can change all of those on an individual level and that can spread out through our businesses or whatever it may be. And whatever we can't deal with right now because we still live in a fossil fuel dependent environment, then like Gabrielle and Blondish were saying, we need to remove 
whatever it is that we can't stop at the moment. And that is something that needs to be done collaboratively as well. It isn't just one person's responsibility, it's all of us equally. So if we can come together and say, okay, this is the impact that we've had, this is what we've omitted, this is what we can remove, this is what we can do now to reduce, the rest we're gonna to team together and remove it um, because we're running out of time. So I thought it was important to say that. Fantastic. Here, here. <laughs> um, and I think maybe just to end, I would really like to kind of bring attention to one of the things that, uh, that Sir Gabrielle mentioned in the conversation, um, talking about not being an optimist, not a pessimist, but being a possibilist and um, really emphasizing the fact that you can't predict the future, but you can build it, which I think is something that everyone should kind of carry in their, in their minds when thinking about what they can do on the individual level and a big level, right? So, yes. yeah. Indeed. So, um, yeah, I'd like to thank Mitchell, Claire and Ornella for joining us for this conversation today. I hope everyone who's been watching has found it useful um, and we'll take some of the learnings and lessons forward and kind of moving around with the, in the music industry and electronic music. Um, and yeah, thank you for tuning into the big questions and see you for the next session. Thanks for the invitation. Thank you. Thank you. Big thank you for tuning into the big questions created by the International Music Summit curated in partnership with She Said So and presented in association with Pioneer DJ, Beatport and the Association for Electronic Music. It's important to us that this series is curated by both us and you. To let us know if you'd like to speak as part of the Big Questions series, you can visit the IMS website where you will see a full list of the topics and you can nominate your speaker choices and catch up on previous episodes. Please tune in next month where we'll be deep diving into the topic of diversity and inclusion in electronic music. Thanks for listening. We trust each other.